Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. I guess I have to address um, the time change. This used to come out on Tuesdays, and then for this half of this season, I was like, "This, I want this to come out on a Saturday around the afternoon because, I don't know, I just want to live... I want to live in multiple fantasies, but I just want to live in a brunch fantasy for like the rest of my life. And considering generational trauma and um, all the shit black people deal with, I at least deserve that. And I, I at least deserve that. And I got here on the backs of my ancestors. So I feel like one of the things they would be very proud of me and doing is just acting like I'm resting. <laughs> okay, it's it's been a minute. I've, I mean, school really takes a lot out of me. I feel like I've talked about that on here before, but um, it's so crazy because it's like I've been on a coursework for a year, and last term. I was like, you know, right. I was writing my, I haven't talked about this yet, I guess. Um, I was writing my prospectus, which is like, is, which is the proposal to that basically outlines my dissertation. And that is pretty stressful because it's like, I don't really know what I want to write about for real, for real. Like I, I kind of have an idea. Well, at the time it was like, I kind of have an idea, but it's like, in order for you to advance to the next step you need to put some together so I was really stressed out about the perspectives and teaching and all that stuff and I've been noticing how stress really affects my body and um like Thank God I haven't really experienced um, the kind of stress uh, things that I usually experience uh, now. Um, like I, I, when I'm really, really stressed out and tired, I usually get like muscle ticks and ra- at random times, and eye ticks are pretty common. Um, and my appetite changes, my digestive stuff changes. And so that that's how I can really recognize stress. And I've just had to, I've been going to the, uh, to the doctor because I was like, what the fuck is going on? And it's, I mean, they were like, it sounds like you're just stressed. <laughs> and I'm just like, really? Like, that's the only thing that's going on. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like glad it is not something more serious, but I'm also like, well, fuck, like, you know, stress, like being stressed out so much can lead to, you know, other things. So, um, really been trying to watch my stress levels, um, which is hard to do that in a PhD program, but I think, um, no, it's not, I think. I'm just going to have to do it in order to keep myself sane and to finish because I don't really know what I'm going to do after I get this PhD, but I know for sure that 
I'm gonna finish. So I guess I can um, talk a little bit about what I'll be doing this term. So this is the first term where, like, this is the first term where I'm officially like starting to write my dissertation. It's so crazy to be here now, and it's almost like it doesn't feel like anything because I'm like so ready to be done. So what? So what my dissertation is going to be on? I want to explore ratchetness, and so when I say that, I want to not only explore like the like ratchetness and black respectability kind of divide but i also want to think about the artistic qualities of like a ratchet look so when we think about like a ratchet look i i think of like cart like rappers so like cardi b megan the stallion are two mainstream versions of ratchetness that they really like embody whatever those those characteristics are um and then like another like a movie that really like like sparks um a lot of ideas for me is baps and i'm gonna write up i'm gonna do like a a chapter on baps um and i don't know i'm just i i want to take this this term ratchetness because it's it's you know, kind of thrown out to uh, regulate people's behavior. Um, And I really want to take it, and it's usually used in a negative sense, and I really want to take it and really show, like, okay, like, what is ratchetness doing in a society that uh, polices blackness? Like, how, how can we think about what it means to perform ratchetness what it means to uh look ratchet like like and and how can we think of that how can we think how can we find ideas about beauty or concepts of beauty within the ratchet look so that's what i got going on for my dissertation in terms of my research like what i would actually do to research it I know one chapter is just going to be on a bunch of um, female rappers and queer rappers um, that I kind of think uh, embody ratchetness. Um, Like, you know, I said Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion. Um, Lizzo's not a rapper, but she still kind of embodies that ratchet look, Um, at least in the way that I think of it um baby mother who's like one of my favorite rappers and um saucy santana um and those are those are a few that like immediately come to me um that's gonna be they're gonna be in their own little chapter and then like i said baps i also want to so i want to pair bat i want to pair i want to kind of have a conversation about baps but then also talk about Stacy Stacy Dash and Clueless. Okay, look, I know Stacy Stacy Dash is a coon. Uh, now, I guess she was a coon. I guess she was always a coon, but I really like her and Clueless. I love her looks in Clueless because Clueless is giving us like 
that that preppy like chanel like high class look everybody kind of at least the main character and then like they they kind of dress like that what i really find great about stacy dash's character are the black cultural references that she that she just and like that through her clothing that she um embodies in these to these white preppy spaces um i don't know it's just i haven't really i haven't thought more deep i guess this is what i'm gonna be exploring my dissertation but i haven't thought more deeply about it but i feel like it's it just needs i i feel like i just have to talk about it because there's just something very special happening there in one scene she wears a church hat and like she's i don't know where they're going but she wears a church hat and it's like like i i I identify it as ratchet because it goes against the normative of what of how people are dressing in that film um and it it's a political statement and you know for her to be a coon and this being one of her first films like she really did i mean i'm gonna this is my argument i really think she did a lot for the culture in that movie so so that's that's what i'm doing there and then um there's there'll be another chapter on right now i'm looking through old issues of essence magazine from the 70s and um really looking at uh clothing styles hairstyles and um trying to make trying to put that in conversation with the uh articles on police violence and poverty and things like that so it's like i don't really have a clear idea of what i'm doing there but there is a conversation happening and i mean it really reflects um you know our current world we live in where there are these you know our style in terms of black style has changed um and then but the conditions have not really changed or they look differently so i guess it's like this whole thing is about exploring what like what things look like and how like what 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 does styling communicate that's where i'm kind of going with everything and then i and then i think um my one of my early chapters will be on i kind of want to start like during um enslavement and during the reconstruction era because i find that to be an interesting time of black people trying to develop a self-image um and particularly during enslavement i mean i i i really want i i look at pictures of enslaved folks when they're when they're when they're working in the fields and um just other other pictures i'm pretty sure people have seen pictures of enslaved people working and I just really focus on the the attire like what what I mean it's like 
this was like the stuff that they're wearing in those photos is probably their only clothing items. And so you got to think about how did they take care of them? Some of them might have uh, uh, sewed their own clothing. And then you got to think about the headdresses that they wore that are like precursors to bonnets and do rags and things like that. So I don't know. It's like that chapter might be a little hard for me to do because slavery is always a a topic a, a hard topic to talk about because people have different feelings about it like people think we shouldn't keep talking about it i disagree because there there there's still so much um trauma to deal with there and that will never go away um but yeah I think and I think the way that I want to talk about it is which I think might be a little problematic but moving away from thinking about the I guess it won't move away from the violence because the clothes I mean I mean the clothing and the styling uh, options that enslaved folks had for them um, was di- it was directly influenced by the conditions that they had to work under. So I don't want to, I guess I'm not focusing specifically on what violence they endured. I'm really trying to focus on how did they develop or, or try to speculate on how did they develop concepts of styling d- during, you know, this period of time where they were doing forced labor so that's my dissertation in a kind of rundown i gotta start <laughs> I well i've been i've been doing the research but i guess i gotta start like i don't know i gotta start i gotta start but i also am gonna um do good and you know give myself a break because oh my god um it's it's so easy to stretch yourself out in this world. Um, I want to talk about my inner saboteur because, in addition, in addition to the stress that I deal with, I think my inner saboteur is also something that contributes to that stress. I mean. You know, I've been performing, I've been writing a lot, and it feels great. But then it's like I get these moments where I go, oh, like, what you're writing about isn't important. Like, wh- what, like, one day you're going to run out of things to write about. One day, like, like, I just, I don't know, I just go on and on and on and like i guess i com i do have this tendency to compare it's very easy to do this in our in our culture um compare my success to like compare where i'm at to where other people are at and it's like impossible to do that because you're on a different path um and so like those are the little things that my inner saboteur you know, gets out of, like, like, brings out of me. I really think, um, when I first started, so I've done two, two, um, readings so far, 
and I think when my first one, um, I was so nervous because I was like, oh my God, are these people going to get my poetry? Are they going to get it? And I was like, my nerves were so, so, so bad. I was so tired after, um, the performance because I had a lot of just built up anxiety around it. And, um, I think I got a little bit better with the second performance, even though like when I got on stage, I was, I was nervous, but it wasn't as intense as the first time. So I'm really hoping this next performance that I have, um, that I, I'm not going to say that I won't be nervous, but that it won't take over me and like take me out of the element because I mean, I think it's all, I think that I think it's good to have nerves, but it's like my, the nerves that I have, it turns into, you're not good enough. Um, you'll never be good enough. Um, why are you even here? You don't deserve to be here. It's, I mean, it's just very easy to go there and I just have to, I literally have to tell myself not to go there because like I said, it's so, it's so easy to dig yourself into a place of where you're, you're telling yourself that you don't deserve the things that you actually do deserve. So I, if, if I could say, cause I know that my inner saboteur is not going to go away. I know that I've accepted that the inner saboteur is a piece of me in some ways it can help me and, you know, kind of like, and, and pushing myself to, to, I guess, I don't like saying stay positive, but in pushing myself to see things differently and not always go to like the extreme of something. So yeah, if I could say something to my inner saboteur, I would say, bitch, you can stay here, but you cannot speak. I think that's what I would say to them. I think that's what I'm going to start saying to them. You can stay, but you can't speak. I understand that you are a part of me, but I do not need to hear you. Yes. Okay. Actually, that made me feel good because I never like, I've never talked back to my anesthetic. So that actually made me feel good. I hope some of this has been helpful for people. Because it's like, when I do these episodes, I'm like, okay, I'm just on here talking about what I got going on. But I'm like, hoping that, you know, it's helpful to people, even though, you know, people might not be doing the same stuff that I'm doing. But I don't know. I just want now to see the interceptor is coming up because now I'm second guessing myself. You see how that bitch be, be sneaking up? She just sneak up like out of nowhere. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I hope that was helpful. Um Okay. So, um yeah, this is 
Uh, I'm back. I got some new episodes coming out, um, new interviews that I've done with some friends. And then once those come out, I think I'll do another like just check in with y'all. And then I think after that, I'm going to do like a month break because I need to get I need to start organizing um for my dissertation and so then I'm kind of set up for the summer to really start writing and researching so um and then yeah and come May it will be season five which what the fuck like season five um I don't know it's like it's it's I, I the show this show is like changing a bunch like at first it was just about grad school and then now it's really become like a space where I talk about my school stuff but also like my creative stuff and I think it's just going to keep being on that on that level because like I said I really don't know what I'm going to do after I get this PhD because I know for sure I want to be a full-time artist. That is my life goal. I just want to create things and share it with people. That's all I want to do. I do not want to, I don't want, I, I don't want my work to feel like work. And, you know, Kim Kardashian said, get to fucking work, but I want my work to not feel like work. And I deserve that. I deserve all, all people of color, all people of color deserve to have a job that don't feel like a job. If we're, if you're able to accomplish that, if that is your goal, I say do it. I think one, like one of the jobs that don't feel like a job is brunch. This is why I wanted to do these episodes around this time because I'm like, I just imagine that, you know, when the listener hears me, they're they're out at brunch. You know, brunch can be had wherever, you know, you want it to be had. You can have brunch at home, you know. You don't gotta have brunch out at a restaurant. It it's nice to have it at a restaurant, but sometimes it's not, because some some people that attend brunch be feeling they still and thinking they all dead so you gonna have brunch at home so that's why i met that's why i imagine like you know people are like at brunch and it's just like we're having a conversation together and that's what i want because it's like yes i i i really i now i'm on a tangent but i'm thinking about alternative forms of work in a capitalist society so um i really want I really like I look I keep doing this like socialite character I keep claiming myself as a socialite and I keep waiting for people to be like shut the fuck up but people keep boosting me up so I'm like okay I'm just gonna I am a socialite I'm just gonna believe it and you know what that's basically what I mean I looked up Kim Kardashian I did not know she was uh, listed as this but she is an American socialite and so I'm like when I saw that, I was like, you know what? Me too. I'm a socialite too. Because I believe I'm a socialite. 
And she's a socialite because she, well, she also has a lot of uh, resources, but she's a socialite because she believes she's a socialite. So I'm going to just, this is going to be the fantasy I live in. And yes, it's, it's work. It is work. It is work because it is work. Maybe I do a separate episode on the work of a socialite. <laughs> that also sounds like a book. <laughs> anyway, um, I gotta do a separate episode on that. But I it's work, but it don't feel like work, and that's exactly what I want. My that's my career. I want my work to not feel like work. I deserve that. This, my generation, the the newer generation. The older generations, they all deserve to not feel like to to feel like their work is not work or they all deserve not to work and to be able to just live and, you know, live comfortably. No, live extravagantly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Yeah, so I guess the. um, Going forward, I mean, I keep so I keep saying that I want um want to do like find ways to have like audience um audience like engagement or something like that. I don't I really like I don't know if it's like y'all like writing letters or or like I I don't I I wouldn't feel comfortable giving advice um <laughs> but <laughs> maybe I would but it's like I I don't know. See, it's like I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know. I also don't know. It's like, okay, if you want to be a guest on the show, like, um, you know, message me or something like that. I'm still working on it because I do want to, like, really, like, engage with people that listen because I, again, the inner saboteur will have me believe that that the people that I that listen to it don't matter and you know, it shouldn't, you shouldn't matter because you're not on the scale of like a big podcast or whatever. Like that, that's where my inner saboteur goes. But then I have to step in and be like, no, like the 30 or 40 people that listen to me every episode, like I really appreciate them. And like, yeah, I want to, to, to talk, to chat more and to, you know, get to know y'all and see how y'all lives are going and whatnot. So I don't know. That might be like a, that might be a season five thing because I got to do some, I'm in a planning mode right now. I'm in a planning mode right now. So I got to do a lot of planning around that. Okay. Just stay tuned. Y'all been, y'all been rocking me with me for, for this long. So stay tuned and there's always more to come. And I I wish y'all a happy Saturday if you're listening to this on Saturday. And if you're not listening to this on Saturday, I wish that every day and your week feels like Saturday at brunch time. Okay, bye. Also, I just wanted to throw in my two cents on the slap heard across the word as the news cycle keeps referring to it. So... I was very shocked when, you know, like everybody, I was watching the Oscars. I always watch the Oscars, even though I don't agree with some of the choices that they make at the Oscars. 
but you know i was i like everybody i thought it was fake um when will slapped chris and then when it wasn't and i saw like the uncensored version of it you know i was really upset for the simple fact that we have uh two like a, a rich black man and another rich black man the, the the one rich black man is harm like physically harming the other rich black man i just hate and then that's like the clip that keeps being like repeated over and over and over and all these white people talking about they traumatized anyway um that's the clip that keeps being repeated over and over and over i just like look i'm look i'm on the side that he he deserved to get slapped for that joke but will smith should have waited until they was in a back alley where there was no cameras that's when he should have fucked that nigga up he shouldn't have did it in front of millions and millions of viewers like now that clip everybody and everybody keeps talking about now that clip is just going to be stored forever and now that's going to be in will smith's legacy and it's terrible because he won a fucking he won his first oscar he's been nominated like so many times this is such a like big moment for his career and i just hate that he did that and it's kind of weird that he did it with a smile on his face and so i don't know i don't know i'm just kind of like i definitely look at him in a different way but maybe he he's always been like that you know kind of whatever that is violent i guess i don't know um those are my two cents on it i also feel like you know chris rock has always had um white people love chris rock so i think um i think will just slapped the wrong black guy on tv i think he just like i said he should have just slapped he should just slapped him off camera should have just they would i just imagine it being like oh hey i want to talk to you about that joke you made about jada and then they just kind of go over to the alley and then he just fuck him up you know and then that's it and then you know we might we might have heard you know a rumor about it or whatever but at least there was no video evidence of it that's where i just kind of like i'm just like i just hate that there's video evidence of it i don't know i don't con i don't condone violence i'm not a fighter but i think in the instance that it happened i think it was warranted but um it's just weird now so that's my two cents on the whole the slap situation okay Okay, bye for real.